Could the killer be a seven to eight foot tall person from a Korean background who's into documentaries about 1950s architecture? We don't have any evidence that points to that in particular. Hello, everybody, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today, I have Sujiwa Ekenayaka. Did I get it right? You got it right. Oh, thank Close God. Enough. <laughs> Close enough for U.S. business. Maybe yeah. not for Sri Lanka business. Close enough for the Yanks, yeah. Uh, not for America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so today, uh, Sujiwa and I have been talking for a while, and um, he, introduced, he told me about this movie that he made called Werewolf Ninja Philosopher. And first off, the title caught my attention i'm like what the hell is <laughs> uh werewolf ninja philosopher uh you know did, did, did he just find discover that name on a scrabble board um and then i watched it and i remember before i even watched it you said to me don't skip through the movie right. i just thought that was kind of a weird thing to request so like why would i why would i watch someone's movie and then skip through it some do so, it. yeah but uh as someone who enjoys slower moving films i didn't do it and i quite enjoyed it uh i listened to uh ian simmons podcast that he did with david foley uh and we we do podcasting together as well uh, ian and i we do a show called what if he doesn't survive and it's about the mandalorian and uh, Ian's been a frequent um, guest host on my show, and David's kind of like my Star Wars guy. And yeah. I think I think David introduced uh, Werewolf Ninja Philosopher to Ian uh, last year because I emailed David and I didn't even know about Ian, and uh, David turned him on, uh, turned uh, Ian on to Werewolf. Now you're on it, so I'm building up my million fans in Chicago slowly. I think we're about, <laughs> we're up to yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I mean, so I guess in a nutshell, I literally have the movie also running in the background uh, for my second viewing as okay. I'm as I'm as I'm talking about it because the thing the thing that really caught my attention with this film is it's a lot like how Andy Warhol would show his movies where you'd go to a party, people would have their drinks and. You know, whatever, whatever other drugs they were doing, you know, people were doing blow in the bathroom, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, the movie would go on in the background and people kind of notice it here and there. And this is kind of like one of those kind of films where I'm not saying it should be ignored. I don't mm-hmm. want to take it that way. But, but it's one of those movies where it's more of an artistic experience. It's kind of like if you watch like a painting on the wall. And, and you kind of examine what's in that painting. It's, it's sort of there. You know, it's not meant to be like an Avengers or like sort of like it is an indie film. It's underground indie. And underground indie films are movies that are basically made on like no budget. And they're, they're completely derived from a sort of it, it, it likes to shatter the rules of what a narrative structure should be. You know, mm-hmm. it, you don't have your beginning, middle and an end you kind of just, the movie is what it is. And either you're going to like it or you're not going to like it. And if you don't, maybe there's good reasons. But also, 
maybe you check it out again. You might like it again. There's a great quote from Stanley Kubrick where he said, you know, you never really understand a movie if you just see it once. You got to see it more than once. Um, but having said that, uh, where did you come up with this idea for this film? Uh, I and uh, I guess I'll start from there because I'll have some more questions <laughs> as the uh, interview uh, kind of uh, goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, about the type of movie. It's more of a slow cinema movie where uh, people who are not used to it, if they spend uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes, they'll get into it. Uh, I showed the movie at theaters uh, in uh, two in New York, one uh, facets in Chicago. And uh, mm-hmm. people who haven't seen any any movies like this one after a while got into it and then they were really happy with it. It does have a plot, does have a structure, uh, but it has an unusual aspect, which is mm-hmm. the werewolf walking around uh, New York City at night and thinking and working. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has a it's a it's much more planned out than Andy Warhol movie. It's more towards uh, like an early Jim Jarmusch movie, like Stranger Than Paradise, or a Love Diaz type uh, slow cinema movie. I got mm-hmm. the idea for the movie. Um, I think I was working on Matt Soller's site's uh, project, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Space Rabbit. You know Matt, right? Mm-hmm. From, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from Sure do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you work at... Uh, at I Ebert. work at Ebert Digital, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so you're, you, know, you, know, you know Matt. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I was helping him make a show called uh, Space Rabbit that still is not done, but I'm sure we'll get to it eventually after mm. the pandemics and other emergencies. Sure, he'll get to it. Uh, anyway, I saw some uh, maybe a lion puppet. I was like, oh, that could be a werewolf. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I worked on a, I made a movie called um, Date Number One that had a ninja uh, in it who goes on a blind date. Okay, yeah, I, I see a pattern that. here. Yeah, you need to see that. That's on Vimeo. I'll send you a review link later <laughs> from 2006. Mm, wow. God, That's I was so a, young a back then. Regular, uh, regular mainstream type movie. Um, and then uh, Philosopher, I did a detective comedy called Breakthrough Weekend in 2014 that got done, and it had a Philosopher Detective. So I combined all those elements, and I wanted to make something simple, but wanted to pay attention to cinematography, fun, unusual, and uh, I'm a big fan of the movie Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives. Mm. So I wanted to make something crazy, just completely outside the norm. Mm. And... Uh, and we shot it in a short period of time. The cast and crew did an awesome job. Everyone is a star. Art Shriantuari, the werewolf. Christine Dwyer. Aaliyah Luray, who's in my uh, next uh, next film, the one that I'm about to shoot. Pamela Rummel, I think. Mm. And Rachel Dixon, she played the uh, NYPD officer. The Celebrity Crimes Unit Supervisor. Were you able to watch the whole movie and follow the plot and the dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> I... I... Yeah, unlike Ian, I didn't skip any of it. <laughs> Ian, Ian watched it, uh, but uh, eventually, no, he, he rewatched yeah. it though. Yeah, and then, but he did. Just busting get, his balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's all right. Um, yeah, he did get some of the ideas in the in the in the uh, movie, and he really got into it. He says he's the biggest fan of the movie, and he probably is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Ian's interesting because he sees stuff in movies that nobody else sees. And as someone who works in film, I see a lot of things that, you know, maybe some other critics uh, 
haven't seen. I'm sort of like a reverse Godard where I started with movies, became a critic, and I also make movies at the same time while still being a critic. Um, but, it, you know, the, the thing I liked about it is it does have a narrative structure, but it, it seems to have fun with the convenience of a narrative structure mm-hmm. uh, where things just kind of randomly happen. And uh, I don't want to give too much away, but sort of like when you find out who the killer is in the end, there's this moment where the killer's like, oh, no, you found out I'm the killer. She says it right in front of another cop. And I'm like, "Okay," (laughs) (laughs) But the movie knows it's doing that. You know, (laughs) the movie knows, hey, this is a movie. You're supposed to take it with a grain of salt. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's this cop who keeps talking about a pet llama or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. that, uh, yeah, that just, llama. yeah, it, it just reminds me of like, you know, maybe this is an easy go to for any critic, but it reminds me of like David Lynch when he just randomly brings up animals for no reason. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you just kind of go with it. And I think the more you watch it, the more you understand when it comes to the walking sequences. Uh, first off, I get that. Did you, did you, uh, make, did you put that shutter speed in camera or was that done in post? That was done in post. I just shot it normally. Yeah. It was okay. uh, HD, 24p, uh, yeah. yeah, 1080p. And then in post, I slowed it down. Yeah. And was that just sort of to capture the methodical process of its head of trying to, you know, because usually when you walk through the streets, you're trying to just figure out what, uh, you know, what, what your case is, what's going on in your head, even if you're not a cop. I'm guessing that was sort of the philosophical aspect of the, uh, Amer- uh of the, I'm trying not to say American werewolf, of the werewolf ninja <laughs> philosopher. philosopher. Well, I uh, initially the plan was not to have so many walking shots, but I, like, <laughs> I, I really liked the walking shots. There was another strategy. There was like six different strategies for the movie. Then uh, because of uh, actor schedules, I, you know, certain things could not be shot. Then I was, I could have still had like a 70 minute movie without all the walking uh, shots. I mean, I could have cut things differently. Uh, instead of doing just master shots, I could have done, you know, just like a regular, you know, stretch out, stretch out the scenes. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, I really liked the walking shots. So I kind of rearranged the uh, movie all around it. Mm. In the next movie, which is more mainstream, uh, which is called. Uh, the Secret Society for Slow Romance. Uh, the uh, I'm, I used the sort of the poetic um, shots of the city in a way that makes more sense to people that I think people will be less alienated by. Uh, <laughs> they're, not, they're not as long; they're more in between scenes. But uh, you know, Werewolf. Ultimately, I'm like, it's a very unusual character, it's a very unusual movie. Let's make it. Let's make it as weird as possible, and. Uh, leave it at that as a, as an interesting work of art. It's definitely a creative experience to watch it. Hmm. What, what made you, what, what did you like so much about the walking shots where you wanted to structure the whole movie around it? Oh, it, it looked good. Uh, <laughs> time New York at night. Yeah. I liked the way the shots looked. So I mean, uh. film is a visual medium. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's make the visual, the major main component, not the narrative. I mean, hmm. so modern film is either, like television, where it's really, mm-hmm. you know, tight shots and people talking from start to finish. 
<laughs> or the other extreme is slow cinema, where it's, uh, you know, uh, Bellatar doing an eight-hour movie, you know, showing everything really slowly. So mm. this is somewhere in the middle, but still more towards the uh, slow cinema side. Mm. No, that makes sense. Uh, because well, what do you think of, like, the current state of cinema today? Not the whole pandemic thing, but, like, mm -hmm. how movies are made. Because mm -hmm. this seems to be sort of, like, the complete opposite of those. Yeah, well, this is not made in a Hollywood style. I mean, yeah. a lot of people, because Hollywood was so successful for so long, a lot of people forgot that there are lots of other ways to make movies. Tons of other movies have been made outside of Hollywood since mm. the start of filmmaking, both in the U.S. and worldwide. So everyone kind of, you know, up till the pandemic, everyone the kind of... Uh, most people, not us, but most people in the regular world were like, uh, yeah, Hollywood movies are the thing, and there are some documentaries, and there's nothing else. But, yeah, uh, yeah movies can be made in tons of different ways. Warhol is one example. Chantal Ackerman is one example. Uh, Jonas Makos is one example. Uh, yeah, you could uh, make a movie. I mean, it's just like painting or making music now. You're, mm -hmm. uh, no, especially with Hollywood out of the picture at the moment, it's becoming clear to a lot of people you could really make a movie in completely different ways. You can shoot it all on Skype. You could use found mm -hmm. footage. You can use uh, found footage. Uh, yeah, I'm open. I'm, I think people should find ways that work the best for them, for their budgets, for their um, personalities, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, and that's great. So the process to this movie, now this was shot, what, like two years ago or something like that? Uh, yeah, hold on one second. Amanda. Yeah. Amanda. Uh, never mind. Well, hold on one second. <laughs> no problem. There was too much noise happening in one part of the apartment. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even notice. <laughs> Good, I had to clear that out. Anyway, uh, this was shot in uh, 2018. Mm. The final stuff. I mean... This movie has a long history. I tried it with other actors with different makeup. I mean, some, some things were shot in 2017, early 2018, and ultimately with uh, Art Shrein Tawari, the final pickup stuff was shot in 2018, and then that's how the movie got finished. Mm. Uh, got finished in October 2018. Oh, okay, yeah. So then it's kind of been bouncing around now. Now it's free on YouTube, and... You can literally just type in America. Uh, fuck, uh, Ninja <laughs> Werewolf Philosopher. Werewolf Ninja Philosopher. And YouTube, it'll, yeah. yeah, and it'll pop right up. You also, know, I. Yeah. Yes, it's very easy to kind of hit the SEO with with something like that. Um, and, uh, you can add a link uh, to your podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, of course. Um, so, how come as I'm watching this now in the background? Everyone seems to be drawn to this guy. This, uh, <laughs> like, right away, like, every girl in this film is like, hey, how you doing? Let's have sex. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was he's the reason a, behind that? Oh, he's like, a, he's like a superstar in New York. And, uh, you know, it's like a, if a superhero or a major, major athlete or, like, a Tom Cruise type was walking around, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of ladies would respond in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He's not, a, he's not a usual person. I mean, there's a backstory to the character. In the future, I would like to do uh, a series with 
part, Shreyan, and this character, something like an X-Files, maybe Netflix or Amazon will pay for it. Let's see. Uh-huh. But, but kind of paced, you know, and shot like, uh, like you know, the, you know, the, the later seasons of X-Files, where we mm. talk about his backstory, how he became the werewolf with better makeup. You know, he, uh, he saved uh, New York from an uh, attack of, uh, by a ninja organization. So he's a local, <laughs> local celebrity. Mm. Yeah. So um, that's one of the reasons uh, ladies are attracted to him. And, you know, he's just a good looking, uh, you know, charming, char- charismatic, low key werewolf ninja philosopher. The only yeah. one. Well, as someone who's a philosopher, and especially if you study martial arts, you know that you don't really attack anyone unless it's self-defense, you know. That's right. Yeah, so, you, you know, you don't want to just go around and beat the shit out of guys. You know, some, some guys try to join martial arts classes who are psychos and do that. Mm-hmm. This guy isn't one of them. You know, he combines the physical and the mental together. Um, so what was the decision to make it black and white? Was it shot in black and white, or did you kind of just throw in a black and white filter afterwards? No, it was shot on uh, color video. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I look. I took a, when editing. I took a look at in, in black and white some scenes in black and white, mm. and uh, the black and white is a call back to film noir because mm-hmm. it's the detective movie and there are some film noir aspects to it. Also, it looked better in black and white, and uh, the makeup especially looked better in black and white. So, <laughs> with the so little painted with, with nose and, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can tell because there's a lot of framing here, a lot of scenes where, as you said, a lot of movies are shot with tight shots. You know, you have your OTSs mixed in with your wides. And this one's much more like, no, the camera's going to stay here and it's just going to be the whole scene is going to play out in this wide shot. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And it really kind of capitalizes on sort of like the whole underground indie sort of look to it. What, what was the intention behind that sort of framing? That's a way of uh, doing movies. Did you see uh, Stranger Than Paradise? No. Nope. No, no. See, I'm I'm still. When it comes to underground cinema, I'm not as educated okay. as some people are. Uh, oh. So this yeah, is but... sort of my introduction to it in a sort of way. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm I've been kind of brushing up more on my history of cinema a lot. Right. You know Jim Jarmusch, right? Famous. Oh, of course. Yeah. So Stranger Than Paradise was his was his breakthrough movie in 1984. Mm. Kind of launched the new era of indie films that cross over into Hollywood. And uh, he shot, if you, you just look, find the movie and watch it, it's on Amazon, it's on Criterion. Everything is shot in wides. Mm. And uh, for the, that kind of story, it works really well. And also uh, Aki Karasmaki does that. Uh, Woody Allen does it a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, sh- uh, shooting everything wide is one way to tell a story. It, you know, it, uh, it, uh, maybe a lot of that, maybe more wide shots were used back in the day in the, in the early days of filmmaking. It makes people, it kind of relaxed, you know, it kind of doesn't force people to pay attention to one certain thing in the frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can watch the entire scene. You can focus in on a, a certain aspect. Or you can you can take in the whole thing, yeah. It's just mm-hmm. a different way of telling a story, and uh, from a filmmaking perspective, it's easier than you know doing the wide master close-up coverage. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, it does remind me a little bit of uh, sort of the uh, the mumblecore sort of movement in a way, and a little bit of uh, the rise of uh, sort of the more documentary-esque films. Uh, there was a term for it, but I'm blanking out on it because uh, I'm uh, stupid. Uh, <laughs> but like Lars von Trier was a big yeah, proponent Dogma, of Dogma it. 95. Dogma 95. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, once you once you see Jarmish movies, you'll see. Check out uh, Strangers in Paradise and Mystery Train. He uses mm. wide, you know, mostly wide shots and some medium shots to great effect. And yeah. It is an interesting way to tell a story because then you're kind of like watching a play a little bit. You're there's a distance between you and the action that's happening. It's not like a Scorsese movie where he's cutting you know, all the time to yeah. things to show, you know, make sure you pay attention to it, right? This mm-hmm. is more of a laid back way to take in the movie. Yeah, it's a, this kind of style is very common in some foreign film, some underground film, some indie film. Even Slacker kind of does that. Did you see Slacker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I yeah. saw this immediately with Slacker, actually. Yeah. Because that movie was just a lot of scenes where the camera would just sort of stay still and it would just be people talking about whatever like like there wasn't much of a like this one intentionally doesn't have a plot structure but we still know what the plot is you know there's someone going around killing indie filmmakers why is he killing them (laughs) and why specifically indie filmmakers i'm guessing that has something to do with standard audiences don't care about independent cinema and they're killing it by constantly consuming marvel and all that other stuff i could Could be be wrong yeah (laughs) I just thought that it would be funny to have a New York where the famous people are the art underground filmmakers. Ah. That, you know, some of them getting killed would launch a special unit of the NYPD to investigate. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, and this sort, guy... of a reverse, sort of a reverse of the regular world where Hollywood filmmakers are the famous ones and underground filmmakers are barely uh, acknowledged. Yeah, you know... That that reminds me of a movie I uh, actually covered with a filmmaker way back, and she had this whole sort of unique vision uh, for her film. It was sort of like in this alternate universe where, uh, sort of like the the LGBTQ community was just seen as like the normal thing. Every mm-hmm. you know everything had this project called glam to it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, everything uh, was uh, sort of sort of gay centered. And mm-hmm. it was by by this uh, transgender uh, director. Uh, their name is Molly Hewitt. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot like where I love movies where filmmakers kind of create their own entire world. It's not something that's just completely grounded in our world. You know, like one thing that I always found that was, I love the, like as someone who loves Christopher Nolan and loves like all the Dark Knight movies, he tries to take something that's so uh, absurd and ground it in reality, which can totally be, uh, you have scenes where people are supposed to take stuff seriously, masks and these goofy costumes and they're acting like everything's normal. And it's like, why not just make the entire world different? You know, mm-hmm. and not try to ground it here. And here you're making something where it's not exactly grounded in reality. It's grounded in its reality, mm-hmm. you know. And it's kind of like, in a way, I don't know, like maybe you were trying to find something that you were you were discovering sort of your own unique uh, 
sort of world you'd like to live in, you know, that I'd like to live in as well, where uh, <laughs> independent filmmakers are more recognized and I, and I, and, and I pay more attention to Cause I'll be honest after, after, after this, I'm probably going to see if my copy of Bill and Ted is available, you right. know, rather than seeing a, a Jim Jarmish movie. Right. Uh, yeah. But, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, but, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of film critics are not aware of underground movies, independent stuff because Hollywood takes up so much of people's time with them releasing a number of movies every week, usually, you don't really have time to go study the back catalog of Jim Jarmusch, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or all the movies by Jonas Mekas. He made uh, dozens of movies, and he shot every day using a film camera and then a video camera later in life. And he's made, he's made like, uh, one year in 2007, he released one short film a day for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. So, so I was imagining a, uh, just a different world for the werewolf. I'm yeah. Fine with, I'm fine with the regular world. I live in Brooklyn. You know, it's great. Uh, well, if Brooklyn must feel like a very different world right now. You know. <laughs> well, it's it's back to normal now. Um, but, oh. But, oh. But living in Brooklyn for the last ten years. Yeah. It's a great place to live. It's uh, you know you, pretty much. I mean Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens. New York City, pretty much anything, any kind of thing you're into, there's like a thousand people who are into it. Yeah. Uh, so how did you find this cast? Are they a bunch of friends of yours or uh, yeah, are these people it, who are well-known stage actors that we don't know about or underground actors? No, the, I did, I did, uh, I think a backstage casting call, but the mm. lead actor I found through Facebook, I met him, interviewed him, talked for a couple hours, figured out he could, he could do it. And then, uh, and I brought in the other actors. Ah, okay, yeah. And uh, it's interesting. You really seem to embrace the, uh, the, the world of digital, the new era of filmmaking. Like you said earlier, uh, a lot of people are making movies very differently now, especially amongst this pandemic. People mm-hmm. are kind of making films in their own sort of way. Uh, could, you, could you tell me a little bit about what the process was like for you to... Uh, shoot this film kind of like on a camera that you've been suggesting to me a lot. It was the, uh, what was it? The uh, Canon XC10. Uh, yeah, Canon uh, XA10. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. XA11. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that thing shoots 4K, right? No. Uh, this ah. is 1080p. So what most people don't understand, unless unless you're a DP, is that the tech available now on iPhones, on DSLR cameras, on camcorders, on cinema cameras, they can all produce acceptable images for mm-hmm. movie theaters and the web. Yeah. So your your specific projects, uh, projects and limitations and preferences will determine what camera you end up using. Steven Soderbergh shoots uh, Netflix movies yeah. On uh, on iPhones now, like iPhone Seven, which is what I, which is what I'm talking to you on right now, mm-hmm. which anyone, almost anyone, can get. Uh, yeah. And uh, you can shoot on 1080p. You can shoot on shoot on uh, 4K, 6K. Uh, you can you can shoot on twenty thousand dollars cinema cameras. But in the end, it's all video content that uh, outside of film theaters and film festivals, it just becomes video content that people consume at home on a screen or uh, 
you know, on a large screen or on a laptop and mm -hmm. quite often on, on cell phones. So this is a great time to make films. You're not, unlike the 90s or even early 2000s, uh, mm. you're not limited by technology anymore. The uh, crew for Werewolf Ninja Philosopher was just two people. I directed and shot and we had a sound person. You know, I've been making movies like that recently as well. Mm -hmm. Where I just have a DP, it's me, the director, and it's a sound guy, and we'd rig the lights ourselves. Mm -hmm. We do everything ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think now with the way movies are kind of changing, you know, we have to be precautious on how we make films because of this epidemic. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot, we're going to see a much larger rise of these kind of films, you know, these mm -hmm. filmmakers who are being ignored. How do you think the path for them is going to be? I think uh, one thing uh, filmmakers have to embrace that we have been lazy about and have not embraced is we have to do the epic amount of promotional work that Hollywood yeah. totally does for their movies. So far, underground, movie, uh, underground filmmakers have stayed underground. Indie filmmakers who crossed over did so by selling their work to Hollywood and Hollywood uh, promoting the movies and creating brand names out of some filmmakers. But now, since it's so easy to make movies, filmmakers should put the time into marketing themselves, promoting the movie for a long period of time. So I'm going to try that on my next movie. I have a plan to promote it for one year, uh, mm -hmm. advertise it to millions of people using affordable advertising, and then I'm going to do like 365, 700 different, uh, you know, uh, social media posts a couple of day with different art and mm. tried to get on hundreds of uh, podcasts so mm. that kind of a like a super well-developed marketing and promotion is the thing to take from hollywood not yeah. their not their you know exclusionary casting or their you know ridiculous stories or robots fighting 24 7 yeah but, yeah keep the stories in the keep the casting diverse but use and you know collaborate with them or just imitate their promotional thing that's all it is that's all it is if you want to make a name for yourself as a filmmaker you just have to let millions of people know that you exist out of that a uh, fraction of the people will become your fans mm-hmm um yeah absolutely i think uh we have the tools and the technology now to do it. You know, mm -hmm. you don't need to throw a bunch of money at somebody to promote your film. You mm -hmm. have those resources. Uh, the thing, I'm wondering if those resources can get lost amongst the clout of everyone else producing their films. Like, how do you make yours stand out? Like, if for someone who wants to do that, for instance, what advice would you give them? Well, each, I mean, there's no uh, safe answer at any level of filmmaking mm. for this, because Hollywood studios with unlimited money relatively mess up on this all the time, right? Some movies mm -hmm. stick, some you know come out and never heard, never are heard from. I think uh, one, you have to make sure you reach a lot of people who may be interested in your, you know, in your movie, like just the way that I found you and mm -hmm. David and Ian. You know, you have to figure out. Uh, who are the podcasters, writers, critics, uh, media sites that might like your movie? Yeah. Who may have people who like that kind of stuff, right? So mm -hmm. 
someone will listen to this podcast, one of your regular readers who know nothing about anything that I'm talking about, but they might check out Werewolf and uh, go, oh, you know, this is a weird-ass movie, but I like it. So when I come out with another movie and they see it, they're like, oh, I know that guy's name from somewhere, mm-hmm. I'm going to check it out. So, you know, if you want 100,000 fans, you have to reach 10 million people in the, produ- in the uh, not the production, in the uh, demographic that might be into your movies. Yeah, um, that's a very good point because, you know, whenever anyone, whenever I throw up anything online, I always cast an enormous net. Uh, where, you know, I, I'll, I'll have the thing reach out to like a million people and I'll have maybe like a thousand, uh, respond to it, uh, you know, and, and actually pay attention to it. And it's just like a comedian making material, you know, you tell a bunch of jokes that bomb, but slowly you collect the peanuts from the, the, uh, the jokes that work, you know, and just like a filmmaker, you have a lot of bad ideas but then you have some good ones and you take the little good ones and you make a film from it, you know, because you never know what a movie's going to be until you until you show it to someone and they go, well, this doesn't work. That and you got to take the good ideas from the bad. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, as someone like me who's being introduced to underground cinema, I would ask the audience to take that ride with me mm-hmm. and and go, well, let's check out some of these movies that are recommended. Some of these directors, certainly Jim Jarmusch is, mm-hmm. you know, like your go to instant one to check out immediately or you know you could check check out some of the works early works of richard linkletter and things of that nature and see if it's free and if even if it's not for you there's nothing wrong with that you know you can enjoy what you enjoy uh you know i'm we're we're not one of those shows that goes around and likes to give people shit for not liking something specific and saying they have no taste if you only like transformers you can only like transformers that's totally fine um so now that uh, so now uh, tell me a little bit about your new film that you're making. Uh, and, uh, sure. And one thing about marketing and distribution, just like you can hire a cinematographer because, you know, a given filmmaker cinematography skills may not be great. Yeah. Feel free to hire experts for mm-hmm. marketing and distribution. Just yeah. make sure they're doing what you want them to do. You know, just tell them what the goals are and then, uh, you know, let them. Uh, provider strategy because you don't yeah. really uh, you know you can't really be a filmmaker who does everything you can mm-hmm. do some things well and other things you should farm out and there's a lot of talent available now especially with the weird economy we have now that you could probably get amazing marketing people who are just looking for work yeah uh, set aside part of your budget for that but not the entirely uh, your budget and again like uh, people always think y- y- here's one thing that annoys me just to just to uh kind of veer off on a random topic. Mm-hmm. Everyone always thinks when they buy stuff for a movie, they got to get like the newest, best camera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you're doing freelance videos, people want to go, well, does it have these specific specs? If it doesn't have this, I don't want to shoot on that. And that's ridiculous. Anyone can make a movie on anything. You can make something on a cell phone. I was shooting something on my job on my cell phone until I get new gear. And they're like, mm-hmm. you're shooting on a cell phone? I'm like, yeah, the image quality is great on these. Right. You know? It's funny. Yeah. Uh, it's like you're not going to know the difference like right. once you watch it. Yeah, the end user will not know the difference. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to say, yeah, no, have a separate budget. You're going to you're going to spend more money on an indie indie movie. You're going to spend more money on distribution, you know, if you're t- handling the distribution yourself and you're mm-hmm. trying to do it right. Just like yeah. in Hollywood, you know, they spent they might spend 50 million on making the movie, 
but they may spend 150 million on releasing the movie because yeah. there's a lot of work to get done. Even on an you know one person team, you have to reach out to hundreds of critics. You know you have to advertise, you have to follow up. There's a lot to do. Yeah, create a, a race and or spend a separate a separate budget for the distribution. I mean, you could do it over a number of months, right? So if you're spending twenty thousand dollars over one year or two years, that becomes doable, as mm. opposed to just spending twenty thousand dollars in one month. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, about so the, movie? Yeah, the Secret um, Society of Slow Romance, right? Or is it just called Slow Romance? For slow Romance. <laughs> yeah. Or slow romance for short. Yes. Uh, so uh, this is like the most minimalist of film productions as far as feature mm -hmm. films go. I play the lead actor and <laughs> I am directing and I'm shooting. So when, wow. the, cam when the camera's on my character, uh, actually my, my character is the, out of the two actors, two characters, mine's the secondary character. The lead character is, uh, her name is Allison, played mm -hmm. by Alia Loray, who plays the, uh, who played the girlfriend in the mm -hmm. werewolf movie. Mm -hmm. So when the, when the, um, I've, and I've tested this out already and it works pretty well. When I'm acting, the camera will be on a tripod for mm -hmm. the over the shoulder shots for me, right? And mm -hmm. then when Alia, when we need to show Alia, I'll be shooting and then we'll have some tripod over the shoulder over me. So basically, it's an underground filmmaker, Elias' character, and an indie filmmaker who's much more successful, my character, Renee. They, uh, during the pandemic in New York, they meet up you know, to exchange some gear, and then they start talking, and they decide to go on some dates. Because mm. uh, the Allison character is bored, and uh, you know, the, she can't see anyone because of the shutdowns, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And and they're interested in each other, so they go on several dates. And uh, you know, other than the romantic uh, whatever stuff, they also talk about um, possible ways to improve the world. And they figure out through using a secret society type arrangement how to they think they can end poverty in the world. And this involves the use of art movies and underground movies also. So it's very complicated, mm. and, but it'll it'll take the audience step by step, and by the end of the movie, <laughs> they'll be uh, pleasantly uh, entertained and surprised. So it's more like uh, a a different take on My Dinner with Andre or Before mm. Sunrise. Mm. And uh, I know you're making this movie during COVID, and yeah. I know that you and your actors have tested each other multiple times mm -hmm. uh how are you making this film aside from the testing and all that like is it just you and one other person and then you just go in a public area and film or in your... no no there's, there's two sets and, oh, okay uh, and uh two sets two actors and the crew includes you know i am the crew so only two people on set <laughs> at any given time and both of us are tested how do you get your sound <laughs> oh, we can set it up. We can set up a a, a stand with the mic. yeah, like you put it on a C stand and then yeah. just rig it. Yeah, because yeah. uh, the uh, anything that is not a yeah, because a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the scenes are just two people talking while they're having dinner, so they're not going to be mm. moving around all that much. Oh, okay. So, is this a feature length? It's a feature, yeah. 
Yeah. Just, have you seen My Dinner with Andre? No. You gotta watch that. Have you seen uh, Before Sunrise? <laughs> no. You gotta watch that. Richard Linklater, famous movie. It was so good. Oh, wait, Before <laughs> Sunrise, you said? I'm sorry, before, you broke up. You said Before Sunrise? sunrise? Yes, I have seen Before Sunrise. Yes. So I see exactly what you're going for. I see exactly what you're going for. Yeah. yeah. It's that, I mean, Before Sunrise did just the purely romantic two people talking, you know, really well. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm building on that and uh, uh, introducing a secret society, save the world element to it. Mm. Also, a lot of underground film and indie film talk. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the people I mentioned in this discussion will be talked about yeah. in the, the movie. People who are talked about that dumb dumb doesn't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I'm okay. Kidding. It's it'll yeah. be an introduction to many people. Every yeah, I mean, yeah. no one knows any. No one knows everything. All of us at one point get introduced yeah. to things one exactly. way or another. And that's the idea of this, exactly. Yeah, don't worry. I am very self-deprecating in my humor. <laughs> good, good. Uh, yeah. No, I think I think I, and it's a it's a, it's a comedy. It's a dialogue-driven comedy. I think it'll be much more accessible than. Uh, than Werewolf Ninja Philosopher. Also, you know how I showed New York a lot in Werewolf? I did the same thing in this movie. They go on like nine different dates having dinner at one of their places because there's no place to go to because uh, it's COVID, right? Everything's mm-hmm. shut down. And in between, we show uh, like great uh, scenes of New York. And so it's just not... And then we, sh- we show them uh, walking around. So it's just not them hanging out in someone's house for the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. That, but I that worked sounds... on the script for about a year and I made it uh, interesting and funny. I think I think it'll be uh, kind of like a really good podcast episode where two interesting people are talking about interesting things for like an hour and a half. And you could do it in a dinner setting. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a bunch of dates. There's mm. some romance stuff, people hooking up and, you know... Yeah. Lots of comedy related to romance, and also aspects of modern modern romance, like you know, sexting, sending, <laughs> sending photos to people of body parts. You know that mm. as an oh as an, yeah okay as an ongoing thread. Pulling up Brett Favre, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, what did he do? <laughs> he sent a dick pic to like a journalist. Oh, no, no. But not like that. It would be mutual. (laughs) Mutual dick pics. I mean, right right now, since people can't actually meet in person, a lot of stuff is happening like that where, you know, people ask each other to send photos and, you know, sort of uh, kind of, you know, phone sex in a way happens. Well, uh, yeah. Using the technology that's available. So I think we've all been there. You know, we've all done it. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, penis photos and other <laughs> body part photos yes, are just yes. a normal part of modern dating. So we yeah. we we talk about that and have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what when when is the uh, movie gonna be? Do you think you'll finish it? I hope to finish it in September. Uh, we're getting oh. ready. To shoot. We're getting ready to shoot, and I think uh, starting the end of next week we can start filming. Ah, that sounds great. And you're shooting it on all the same stuff? Uh, no, I'm using uh, a new camera that I got called the uh, the Sony MC88. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it has a one inch sensor, so uh-huh. uh, the image will look better, and it'll be a color movie. Still uh-huh. 1080p, 24p, but uh, yeah. it'll look great. 
I'll make sure it looks right. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of people at home, they're not watching stuff in 4K. You know? <laughs> like, I, I can't remember the last time I've watched anything in 4K on my uh, television or my computer. Like, maybe on a, like a, uh, a like on an ultra DVD once in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that sounds exciting. It sounds like you got go- a lot going on. For people, uh, this is a great time for people to be creative, too. You mm-hmm. know, that's all kind of inside without catching covid yeah yeah which i might have caught yesterday no (laughs) well it's a a good time to think of alternate strategies now one good thing about these underground and indie movies that a lot of people may not know about uh at this point is they were made like chantal lacamar movies they were made by a crew you know just a handful of people or a couple of people or a crew of one in some cases Mm. and uh that kind of filmmaking werewolf type filmmaking and what i'm doing with slow romance that's what's possible easily now Mm. uh, because we don't have a covid vaccine yet yeah yeah absolutely but you know what make more underground films like this and you'll get noticed probably (laughs) there you go and even if you don't hey you're expressing yourself you're working that muscle and you're learning how to make films uh romance is going to be a huge mainstream success we'll see (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe it will be. I mean, I certainly will be promoting it. I want to thank you for all the help that you've given me. Uh, Sujiwa, uh, for the audience that doesn't know, he's like one of the most outgoing, nice guys you'll ever know. Like this guy will message you all the time just to be nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's such a nice guy. And please check out his movies. If you kind of have an unusual sense of humor like me, you'll really like Ninja Werewolf Philosopher. Uh, Werewolf NWP yes. Werewolf Ninja Philosopher. Fuck it, <laughs> I screwed okay. it up. <laughs> also, also, I have a website, sujewa.com, S U J E W A.com, that has all my film stuff on there. Yes, and all the uh information for those will be on the description below, folks. Uh, Sujiwa, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, please check out Werewolf Ninja Philosopher. You got W-N-J. It. All right. <laughs> WNP. Yes. <laughs> yeah, WNP. I did man, woman, person, TV, camera. Yes. All right. <laughs> and when uh, when slow romance is done, I'll send it to you. Maybe I can come out, come back on the show after that. <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, if you want to check out, you'll probably agree. Just type in YPA reviews on the internet. As you can probably guess, YPA stands for You'll Probably Agree. Thanks so much, and we will see you later.